Welcome to the Academy Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing rich content for the purpose of spiritual growth. The Academy Podcast is brought to you by the Academy for Spiritual Formation, an international ministry of the Upper Room. The Academy is dedicated to creating safe space for people to connect with God, self, others, and creation for the sake of the world. To learn more about our five-day and two-year retreat offerings, visit academy.upperroom.org. I'm your host, Claire McKeever-Burgett, and I serve as the Associate Director of the Academy. I'm also ordained clergy, a birth and postpartum doula, a yoga, dance, and movement instructor, a writer, a mother, a partner, a friend. We're glad you're here. In this month's episode, we hear from Ray Buckley on the topic of bearing witness. Ray offered the following teaching at Two Year Academy 33 in Donaldson, Indiana, in November of 2013. Ray is the interim director for the Center for First Nations Spirituality and longtime faculty member of the Academy for Spiritual Formation. Ray has served the United Methodist Church as a staff member of the United Methodist Publishing House director of the Native People Communication Office, and director of Connectional Ministries and Native Discipleship for the Alaska Missionary Conference. Ray is the author, illustrator of a number of storybooks and studies on Native peoples for children and youth. His stories, poetry, and art have appeared in numerous journals, periodicals, and books around the world. Ray and his brother Rick make their home in Palmer, Alaska. Ray's teaching invites listeners to consider what it means to be clay in the hands of a God who holds us when we break, and he invites us to bear witness to the hope and possibility that come when we simply let God do the work. Listen on, beloveds, and enjoy. In Uganda, during the time of of Idi Amin, Christians were... uh, persecuted a great deal. Many people were persecuted. The Christians would go off into the woods to pray or off into the jungles to pray. And there was a song written, and I wish I had it and I wish I knew it, but I have heard it, but I don't know it, but I know of the words. And Christians would get up in the morning to go pray and they would walk through the tall grass and into the jungle to pray. And it became a way of asking each other how your spiritual journey was by observing the path that your brother or sister made through the grass to the jungle. And the song was sung How is your path? Does the grass grow? One of the great things about community is that we say to one another, how is your path? And others say to us, how is your path? Does your grass grow? Is your path worn down? Would you like to walk with me along the path? Shall we walk together? 
And we observe in each other's lives not only the changing and the giving of new names, but the caretakering of each other along the journey. How is your path? How does the grass grow on your path? Imscott Mamade, the great Kiowa, Pulitzer Prize winning author, wrote a book called House Made of Dawn. And in the house made of dawn, he looks at the ceiling of a teepee as it comes together. And depending on your tribe, the poles of the teepee that are put together for special occasions. But you look at the top of a teepee and depending upon your nation, the poles are identified as important spiritual concepts. There is a pole for the women in the tribe and a pole for the children, a pole for the warriors, uh, both male and female, and a pole for the elders. There is a pole for the earth and a pole for the sky. And when they are first put together, and, and this will preach, when they are first put together, they are put together in a tripod, the three. And the three are lifted up and they are bound together at the top. And then the poles are put in order around the teepee. And so first comes the women's pole, uh, the women and the grandmothers, and then come the elders and then comes the children. And every pole has meaning inside of the lodge. And depending upon the tribe that you are, the numbers of poles. But you can lay inside of a teepee at night and look up through the smoke hole at the stars. And you see reflected in where you are laying your cosmos, your spiritual world. You cannot go to sleep without seeing all those to whom you are related, your grandmothers, your grandfathers, the children, everybody around you are part of the cosmos. But when you wake up, you see the cosmos. And when you go to sleep, you see the cosmos. And, and that is the important part of waking up in a teepee. But in other cultures around the world, it is exactly the same. The houses in which we live were shaped traditionally like the cosmos, the way our cosmology was shaped and viewed. So when people would come in, they would come in through their cosmology and they would come out through their cosmology. In native circles across the country, uh, we enter through the eastern side and teepees are all made to face the east, and Cherokee houses were all made to face the east, and in Nupiat places were all had a smoke hole in which you came in through the east and went down and then down a ladder beneath the ground. And all across the country, every lodge faced east. And in the teepee in the morning, it was so that the light of the first light of day would come in and fill the lodge where you were sleeping. And not only would you awake, but you would awake to the sun coming into the lodge. And you would go out into the sun coming up into the world. And so your cosmology would shape your world. M. Scott Mamaday says, 
We live in houses made of dawn. You and I take it a step further as Christians. We live in houses made of dawn. We step out and as our spiritual formation takes place, we deliberately do the things which shape our life and our work so that we order our lives that in our lying down moments, we look up and the things that surround us and our thoughts that surround us reflect the God that we serve and the world in which we live. And we order our lives that in our waking up moments that we get up and we face the dawn and we let the dawn fill our lives. We become houses made of dawn. We become houses made of God. We become structures with framework of which we recognize, but every day we open it up to the light of the Spirit of God to shine through that framework and into that framework and be the reality. Our cosmology is not the reality. The cosmology is how we shape and form the reality of the sun which comes up every day in our lives. Does that make sense? It is not always the framework of our faith is what we use to remind ourselves and live in and order our lives, but the framework is not the sun. The sun is what comes up and shines into our lives and shines into the framework so when we dismantle it and move to someplace else and put it in, the thing that we are sure about is that the sun comes up every morning and we are people of the east who face the rising sun and are not afraid of the west because the sun rises every morning. It's like the passage in Jeremiah we talked about yesterday. God says to the prophet, I want you to go down to the potter's house and the potter is making a vessel on the wheel. And in the hands of the potter, the vessel is broken. In the hands of the potter, the vessel is broken. I have heard so many sermons and so many beautiful songs about the broken vessel where God picks up the pieces and glues them back together and makes the vessel again. But in the story of Jeremiah, that's not what's happening. The vessel is broken in the hands of the potter. The vessel has not stepped off the wheel. The vessel has not been set outside and broken. In the hands of the potter, it's broken. And the potter does what? Makes a new vessel. The same clay, the clay that has folded and cracked in the potter's hand, the vessel is made new. A new vessel, a new form. We talked about the giving of new names. Sometimes in our life, for those of you that are, are, are clergy, sometimes in your life, 
God calls you to be clergy, but sometimes a tent maker. And God gives you the new name for the task that's ahead. Sometimes you're a tent maker and a clergy person together. The scripture says that in the hands of the potter, the vessel is marred and a new vessel is made. And God says to Israel, this is what I want to do with you. Your life hasn't been broken because you've done something wrong. God isn't going to pick up the pieces and glue it back together and say, let's see what works out of what's left of your brokenness. God says, let's make a new vessel. Let's give you a new name. I'm going to call you to do some new things. We're not going to glue pieces back together because... I'm God. Folks, sometimes your life is broken with God's hands around you. Sometimes your life seems to crumble and you haven't stepped outside the will of God and you haven't done anything wrong and you've prayed enough and you've sung enough and you've done everything spiritual that you can, and you've showed up for your jobs, and you've showed up for your ministry, and everything crumbles with God's hand around your life. Because we're clay. Because we're clay. And God doesn't promise that we won't break. God doesn't promise that there won't be dark times when you won't feel like a spiritual place. But God says, I want to make you a new vessel. Let me give you a new name. The old things have passed away and all things have become new. I'll restore the year of the locust. I want to give you a new name with both hands of God upon our lives. We do not know what is in the West behind us, as native people would say, into the West, which is symbolic of the unknown. But we do know that the hands are there, and we do know that the sun rises every morning, and we are teepees made of dawn. We are temporary structures made of dawn. When I was a little boy, there was a man named Grandpa Fool's Crow. Grandpa Fool's Crow, he lived on Pine Ridge Reservation. His first name was Frank. He was a Catholic catechist, and he was probably the last great Lakota Washawakan at least within the last 50 years. But he was a holy man, a man of holiness. He would pray for the people. And Frank Fool's Crow, and you can Google him, there's been a lot written about him, a wonderful leader, but read what you can about him because it is worth reading uh, now that he has passed away. But when Frank Fool's Crow was alive, he used to always carry on his person little hollow bones. 
they used to ask Frank Fool's Crow, Grandpa Fool's Crow, what does it mean to be a Washua Khan? How does one become holy? Holy not in an acquisition, but holy as in being accessible to the light and the presence of God at any time God would wish. Grandpa Foolscrow said, we need to live like hollow bones. And people would ask him often because the first thing to come to your mind, because it seems so anti-Christian, it seems so anti-our times, that one would want to be hollow in any form. We talk about overcoming hollowness or emptiness. But Grandpa Fool's Crow very simply said, we are all shaped by God. And each one of us is shaped differently by the experiences of our God, of ourselves, of the experiences of our lives. We are not hollow as in being without substance or form or uniqueness. And he would hold up a little bone and he would blow through it. And he would pick up another little bone and he would blow through it. And each of them made a different sound. He said, we are hollow only to the extent that when God places God's lips upon our lives and blows, there is a sound which comes through us that carries the voice of God into the world. And every hollow bone has a different sound. Fool's Crow would say, when one is a hollow bone, this is what you can put in your theological bag and think about and see if it has merit. That one calls on God to rid oneself of things which might impede the spirit. Fool's Crow is saying, Every day when you are a house made of dawn, in situations that arise in your life, you say to God simply, God, I am resting in your presence. If there is something in my life for this task, this academy, this moment, this mission, this time, that would impede your spirit. Oh God, do the shaping of my life. Do the recreating of the vessel. Do the shaping of my life so that the sound that you wish to make through my life and my life, if there is anything which might impede your ability to blow through this little hollow bone. Fool's Crow is saying, Be filled with hope and possibilities for things which may make a difference in a situation or person. And third, to simply be. Experience the power. Not exuberance, but what the God who blows through your life has deemed is the important thing from happening in and through your life, allow it to be. We are not shaping it. We are not forming it. 
We are not trying to grasp it. We are not trying to make it. We are not trying to claim it as our own. We are not trying to claim it as a spiritual victory. Simply let God do the work. And fourthly, Fool's Crow would say, we give the power away. In other words, when you're a hollow bone, you don't say, look what I've done. Look what I've achieved. You let God use your life in the way that God chooses to use your life. And you let that power do what it's supposed to do. But it also, in giving the power away, you allow the power of God blowing through your life to accomplish what God needs to, and you go to sleep at night not trying to manipulate it. Little hollow bones. No one makes the sound that you can. No one can make the sound that the voice of God blowing through your life makes. Have you felt like you're a valley of dry bones? Sometimes the hollow bone and God blowing through the sound of hollow bones brings those bones to life and creates music that no one has heard. God blowing through the winds, the wind of the spirit through your life creates a sound that no one else has heard. And there is joy in trusting that God will shape your life and that God will, in fact, blow through your life and that it will happen and you don't need to control it or shape it or manipulate it, but to rest in the presence of God. When I first heard Ray's teaching, I had the sense of entering into the presence of all four elements, fire, water, air, earth, dancing together in perfect harmony. Speaking with power and gentleness, clarity and mystery, wisdom and hope, Ray's words and Ray's presence open up something in me so large, so expansive, that I'm not sure if I want to cry or laugh or both in response. Three mantras chose me this year. The first, let it be easy, arrived in January. The second, I am not in charge, arrived sometime in the spring. The third, I am willing, showed up in June. I repeat these three mantras daily, sometimes hourly. I sing them, I breathe them, I try to live them. And spiritual companions like Ray who say things like, God doesn't promise that we won't break, and there is joy in trusting that God will shape your life, help in immeasurable ways. Which is why it didn't feel coincidental to hear Ray's teaching on bearing witness and becoming clay and being filled with hope and possibility in a year in which these three mantras have found me and guided me and invited me 
deeper and deeper into letting go of a future that hasn't happened yet and into a present that is full of grace and wonder and connection and love now. I'd like to think that as the clay on the potter's wheel, I have arms that are thrown wide open, a face turned to the east and a smile the size of Texas, because I really have found the joy in the trusting, the joy in the process, because I really truly have found joy. May it ever be so. To hear more from faculty like Ray Buckley, who are spiritual directors, pastors, professors, authors, and experienced pilgrims and practitioners in the area of spiritual formation, join us at the next five-day or two-year academy. For more information, visit academy.upperroom.org.